This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And I went to do my traditional have a drink before the podcast, Charlie, but the lid of my drink was on too uh, secured. And I realized that with the timing, if I took the extra effort to get the lid off, I would then be drinking it at the exact moment that I was meant to be talking, which is the mistake I often make with this podcast. So well, now I'm going to try to. Oh, God, it's too hard. I can't <laughs> open the lid of my drink. <laughs> You've heard, uh, you know, they've been talking about that Bob Wood, uh, Wood, Wood, Woodward, Woodward, Edward Woodward, Bob Woodward, Woodward, Bob Wood, 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 Bob Woodward, Woodward. Well, Bob Woodward's book, and they talk, and he's talks about how it's, apparently it's in the spelled white, Woodward, but it is Woodward, Woodward, like Edward Woodward. What? Yeah. Wood, how much wood could Edward Woodward, Woodward? Woodward and Bernstein. Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. And he told he was he was saying that in the White House, um, uh, he suggested that sometimes people will slip things off Trump's desk just to sort of like, you know, keep control of the situation. So I'd like to think that at Tofop Enterprises, we've got someone who just comes and fastens the lid on your drink before we do a show, just so you can't muck up the intro. Yeah, because much like Donald Trump, I'm having 12 Diet Cokes a day. Now, Will, it's been an interesting week. I wanted to uh, bring you into a little little, uh, uh, narrative that has been playing out for me since Wednesday, which... uh, I've been weighing up whether or not to uh, name and shame this person or whether to keep it anonymous. So I think what we'll do is we'll start conservative and we'll, we'll keep it anonymous. And then as, a, as the conversation progresses, let's see if we, we feel justified in naming and shaming. Well, you've done the best possible thing as a start. You've decided to talk about it on our podcast, which is as close as you can get to being anonymous. <laughs> and also being associated with shame. The fact that you are even tangentially being mentioned on this podcast. So what happened? Yeah, you're not named and shamed just by being on the (laughs) podcast. I should sort of just explain before I get into the content of what happened. So uh, this is someone who is uh, peripherally associated with uh, the world of TOEFOP, friend of mine. Um, Now, when you're an actor, there's a few sort of tools uh, that you have at your disposal that you've got to be able to do. There's certain things you've got to be able to do. And one of those things is accents. So actors are very sensitive about you know when they do an accent like there was a famous story about when brad pitt did the devil's own and he had to play an irishman and apparently harrison ford would give him shit every day about his accent and so one day brad pitt came to set and said well i've been he was doing his irish accent he's like well i've been practicing what do you think and harrison ford it's gone okay cool well let's hear it so it is a sensitivity when it must have been a must have been a real tough set on the set of hunt for red october must have been yeah. some real barbs <laughs> flying around that submarine. So anyway, 
I tell that just to get to uh, the events of this week. Um, I was just working on my own in the office and I get this text message from my friend. Apropos of nothing, it says, Charlie Clawson has the worst US accent. <laughs> now, oh it, should, it, should, it should be mentioned that the latest thing I've done is Wolf Creek in which I played an American. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> now, I will say this. The fact that it has gone directly to you could be from one of your friends. Like, we have the mm-hmm. sort of friendship group where, you know, men in Australia particularly, I don't know if it's a worldwide phenomenon, but often men express their love for each other through what it could be, you know, best be described as bullying. You know, mm. a kind of, you know, acceptable level of like, I like you, I love you, and you know this because of the way that I immediately bully you. Yeah, yeah. So that would make sense if it was, you have the worst US accent. But the fact that it was named, named in full, Charlie Clawson, suggests, I, I don't refer to myself, I'm not like The Rock, I don't refer to myself in the third person and ask others to refer to me in the third person. No, this implies that the person that they're talking to knows who you are, but wouldn't know it immediately if they just said Charlie or even if they just said Clawson. So they've said yeah. Charlie Clawson, just to make it very clear. I, I'm suspecting at this stage, group text. He <laughs> <laughs> sent it, he or she has sent it to every single person in his phone. I mean, there is plausible deniability. If it had just said Charlie, you can explain that way about talking about any. Uh, actor whose name is Charlie's doing an American accent and even Clawson there is plausible deniability because yeah, oh, sorry Clawson, I meant Charlie Clawson you know the one <laughs> whose name actually rhymes with awesome <laughs> but there is Alf Clawson is the composer for the Simpsons and many other sitcoms who's an American so there is some plausible deniability we could be like no no I was talking about famous TV composer Alf Clawson he has a terrible US accent yeah and the irony is he's from the US so, I don't know why. Yeah. So, I get this text message and I'm like, okay. So, that's my first thought is like, oh, shit. Like, has this person just watched Wolf Creek and really hated it? And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We do this stupid fucking podcast and I often, you know, will joke or talk about things that I have no memory of. So, I'm like, did we like at one point where we like talking about my US accent or something like that? But I couldn't think of anything. So I was like, At I different need to- times on this podcast, you have uh, affected a US accent. Like there is, yes. In fact, in uh, different times on this podcast, you've affected a US accent. I think at least Austrian. an Irish one has rolled out at different times. South African might have had a go. Definitely <laughs> Austrian at some stage. And on our football podcast, like every second episode, French. <laughs> so I'm a racist. Is basically <laughs> I like to caricature other people, other other races. You're a jack of all uh, voices, master of none. I like to think. <laughs> yeah, that, actually, that's fairly accurate. I'll take that. So I have to think of how to compose my response because it's either a genuine barb or it is something said in jest that I can't remember. So I wrote but right back just a one-word response, hurtful, which I felt could be read either way, you know? Like it could be, that's genuinely hurtful or, hey, I'm totally cool with you joking. That's hurtful. Now, I, I would have gone with, uh, dude, that's hurtful, <laughs> bro. Gnarly. Yeehaw. You know, the standard things Americans say. I think I'm about to get another text saying Will Anderson does the worst US accent. <laughs> uh, 
No, I the, 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 the now the next bit was the best bit because so he writes Charlie Clawson has the worst US accent. I write back hurtful, and then there is about a fifteen minute gap because obviously what's happening on the other end of the phone is holy fuck! I just sent this to the person I was talking about. <gasps> oh, like let's just for a moment, yeah, yep. walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Let's yep. imagine we were the person at the other yes. end of that phone. What is your reaction? So say, for example, that they have, let's just, because we don't know at this stage, right? So let's say, yep. for example, worst possible scenario. They've just watched Wolf Creek and they think that you have a terrible American accent. And they, they, were, yep. they thought it was so terrible, they are going to zing you behind your back <laughs> to one yeah. of their friends, right? Yeah. So, and I will say, I reckon... Yeah, there is a chance. Wolf Creek, I think, because it was a lot of Australian accents. Uh, sorry, a lot of Australian actors playing a range of different accents. I do mm. think that the accents on that show sometimes didn't sound quite right because I think because you had you didn't have a bunch of Australian actors all playing Americans. You didn't have a bunch of Australian actors all playing Brits. Like they were they were all kind of doing different accents from different places. I don't think you got that genuine connection sometimes. So the accents, I think did take a little while for you to get used to. I think I remember in the first couple of episodes going, oh, the accents seem all over the place in this. And I think it was just because here's a lot of people I normally see speaking in an Australian accent and they are all pretending they're in some sort of backpacker's <laughs> lodge and everyone's chosen accent out of a fucking hat and have all had to do it for this scene. Like it's some crazy improv scene or something like that. Oh, yeah. Accents in a hat. Yeah, it's a theatre yeah. sports game. <laughs> So I've got a few stories of friends of mine who have done this and it's always like, I've been there on the other end when a, a friend sent a text. I, uh, a friend of ours, Charlie Pickering, he and I uh, used to live together, two Charlies living in the same house. I had a friend text me saying, holy shit, I just texted Charlie Pickering. I asked if I could stay at Charlie's place in Melbourne and he said, uh, you know, he couldn't for some reason. So I thought I was texting you saying fucking Pickering wouldn't let me stay. And I sent it straight back to the same Charlie. Now that's understandable. Like two I Charlies. Once, I once sent an invite wrong. onto our radio show, and this is a long time ago, to the wrong, I just, it was the wrong first name. Like as in, sorry, the same first name, uh, different uh, second names, but in my phone i'd sent the message to the but they both were comedians who could have come on the show but unbeknownst to the comedian i messaged to get him on the show the other person i was working with wasn't a huge fan of this particular person so i then had to message that person back tell them the interview had been delayed and then work for the next few weeks on like building up the reputation of the person i'd already invited onto the show so that the other person wanted to invite them onto the show oh fuck well, about two months ago, I was uh, having a phone meeting with a, a, an executive, a dis distribution executive, fairly like important meeting. And this guy had been uh, putting us off and rescheduling and delaying me and uh, my producer for ages. And so he sort of emailed to say, sorry, guys, I'm going to be another 15 minutes, but, you know, definitely going to do the call today. So while I was waiting for the call to connect, I was texting uh, my friend about like, I think we were texting about football tickets. And I said to him, like, if you meet me, meet me on time. You're always fucking late. And I sent it to the fucking executive who I was waiting to call, who was running late, who had just emailed five seconds ago. And you know what though? 
he fucking called like two minutes later and was really apologetic. And I had to explain to him, I'm sorry, that text, I know it seems like a bizarre coincidence that five minutes after you send me an email saying you're running late, I write telling you not to be always fucking late. But believe it or not, I was actually texting a completely different person. But then it made me think, maybe I should take this aggressive fucking no shit attitude all the time. So that's the way to get things done. Right. Well, people do uh, like, I think, bend their world to those who just kind of blunder through as if everything is owed to them. I think often it's just more convenient or it's just such a thing that most people don't get. Yeah. That you're just like, oh, okay, I guess. I mean, that's not how I would behave in any way, but I guess I should fucking call him. I am always fucking late. He's right. Finally, someone's called me on my bullshit. I respect this guy. He's the new big dog now. Mike Howell just made the point. He said, well, that sounds like being an American. And that is very accurate. Like, I think there's a cultural adjustment you have to make when you're spending time in the States that Americans state their point of view and what they think. And there is no, they're not being pet personal. They're not like chucking these shits. They just want to be heard. They will express their opinion about the service they're getting, how long a line is, whether or not you know you should be standing somewhere. And they'll let you know quite forthrightly, but then they'll just move on. Whereas in Australia, like you get a bit rattled by that kind of like forthright expression of, of opinion. I, I find it interesting when you look at the American political system. You know, they'll say so-and-so who you know, is a registered Republican voter. And you're like, that to me even just seems like such a weird thing to put on front street that people go, I'm a registered Republican. I'm a registered Democrat. Like the idea that you have to kind of put it up front even yeah. before you vote. I'll be like, no, no, no. We have like a day where they have like a list of names and some boxes next to them. And on that day, I will privately decide <laughs> you know, who, I, who I think should be running the fucking joint. And then I'll put it privately in a box, unmarked with my name, not on it. And then I'll keep that information to myself. I'm not fucking telling you. And it's the same with the first time I saw somebody order something that wasn't on the menu in an American restaurant. Yeah. They were like, you know, I'm going to have that salad, but I want chicken in it. And could you please go out on the street and like, you know, just gently hold it in the sun for 10 seconds. And I'm like going, who is this asshole? What are they saying to this waiter? But of course, mm. Americans just ask for what they want. And Australians a lot of the time just take what we're given. Yeah. So apologetic. So about 15 minutes has elapsed between uh, my response. And then I get this. Well, I have beautifully ruined our friendship. I'm at the gym listening to Tofop, and I know my girlfriend is listening to it at home. Your offensive Alabama accent is what I was referencing in case that wasn't clear. Then there's a, a raised eyebrow emoji, and then a sorry, mate. Separate text, sorry, mate. Now, here's what I'm going to say. That is your best of all possible scenarios. Yes. Like, I mean, really, the fact that you're sharing this now makes a little bit more sense because you know what? Yeah. Who cares? Like, if anyone wants to judge us, you know, I know the motto with this podcast is basically fuck off, it's a free podcast, but it has to be because so much <laughs> of this podcast is absolute fucking nonsense and shit. Like, the thing that offends me when people get like, you know, that bit was bad. I'm like, did you not listen to the rest of it? It's all bad. <laughs> You yeah. fucking have, have better standards yourself. Maybe you've just grown up a little. <laughs> we have over 200 episodes of evidence that it's bad. What the fuck are you talking about? Now, yeah, well, I had to think about it. I couldn't remember doing the Alabama accent, but then I remembered, I think we read a letter that was from a guy. It was when I was in a, I was in a run of accents. I think I was flying all over the map doing accents. Now, my memory of that was that I just fucking threw out whatever my closest approximation was 
to an accent. It was not something that I had planned or prepped for or took great pride in. It was literally the first thing that came to my head and my mouth. So once you said that... I I remember the Alabama accent, but the reason Mm. I remember it was at the time, in my head, I remember that there used to be this Australian basketballer in the 80s who was called the Alabama Slammer. Like yeah, that was his right. nickname, and I always thought it was like a really good nickname, the Alabama, Alabama Slammer. <laughs> but mostly, it was a good nickname because it reminded me of this girl from high school uh, who was from a place called Malacuta, and whose nickname was the Malacuta Ruta. Malacuta Ruta. Which again, <laughs> I just nothing to do with the girl. I just remember that as like being a really pleasant sounding, like you know, nickname, the Malacuta Ruta. Like even if it had been like a guy or whoever else, I just think. If you were like, oh, yeah, in high school, they called me the Malacuta Ruta. I was from Malacuta, but I was also a Ruta. It came together beautifully. <laughs> it sounds like a great kid's book, like a picture book, the Malacuta Ruta. Well, that'd be fine if you were in the US, right? Because Ruta yeah. is like, because like, they have the, all those Ruta-mobiles and I'm a Ruta and I'm your happy I Ruta. You, you support things when you root for them in the States, right? Yeah, but also, isn't it some sort of plumbing? Isn't rooting, or is that routing? Ah, uh, yeah. Oh. But it says rooting on the side of it, the ready rooter and stuff like that. Mike Hal says yes. It's called yeah. rooting. Mm. If you're a rooter. If you're a ra- if you're a ra- if your name's Randy and you're a rooter, <laughs> you're a Randy Rooter from Malacuta. Randy the Randy Rooter from Malacuta. <laughs> you know what's weird when is when some Australian place comes up unexpectedly. Um uh in, in an American thing you weren't expecting. Amy was watching Ozark. I, I'm not up to date on Ozark. In fact, I'm the complete opposite of up to date, which is I have not watched Ozark. It was yeah, a weird so. way to say I'm not up to date with it by saying I haven't watched it at all. But she's been watching I, it. Right. I've watched and the first in, episode and I have can no memory. Is it like a supernatural thing or is it like a real world thing? Yeah, maybe. One of those two things. <laughs> not really yeah. sure. I yeah, thought are. it was a supernatural thing too, but I'm it's, not it's sure. Ozark. It sounds like the name of a wizard or something. Yeah, yeah. Jason Bateman is a wizard called Ozark. Yeah. As far as I know, from not having watched the show, it's about a oh wizard God. called Ozark. That's what we should do: is special Tofop episodes about shows we've never seen, where we try and like come up with a plot based purely on the name of the show and who we knows in it. What do you, all I know about Ozark is Jason Bateman's in it. Like, if I had yeah. to speculate. Based on the Netflix title and the name of the show, I would have assumed it was some sort of futuristic. They're living in yeah. some sort of slightly Ozark is the world. name of the city or the space station that they live on. The Ozark, the, yeah. the SS Ozark. Yeah, exactly. But I believe that there is a place in America called the Ozarks, and this television show might be sitting, might be uh, set in said place. Right, a mountain range. Michael is saying. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. So it seems like maybe it's not not a futuristic thing. It may may well still be, but um, anyway, the other day I'm just walking by the 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 television and they're having this really emotional moment. And she's talking about her perfect place in the entire entire world. And he's like, "Where is it?" And she says, "Malum Bimbi." <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Like, <laughs> Amazing. So in the middle of this show, like Mullumbimby on the, you know, the, what, the central coast of New South, no, the north coast, isn't it? Of the yeah, north Northern coast. Rivers area. West of, of Byron. Of, yeah, west of Byron. Hippie community, um, yeah. massive anti-vaxxers. Um, That's right. One of the most the beautiful ke- the, places. The quinoa, the, the quinoa curtain, I believe, uh, stretches right across Mullumbimby. 
Yeah. Well, it's basically where all the hippies who used to live in Byron live now that, you know, everyone in Byron is either some rich kid with a trust fund or a Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> or pretty much the entire Hemsworth. It's yeah. going to be Hemsworth Bay very soon. So what, what are we going to tell about Ozark? So Amy's watching it and what? Oh, that's it. The, the Mullen Bimby was mentioned in it. It was just oh, a right. bizarre... Mullen, that... <laughs> right. Okay. That was my... Sorry. Do you know what I mean? We were talking story. about out-of-place things. It was, it was actually yeah. on topic. Particularly for this podcast, it was an actually an on-topic aside. <laughs> so he does the apology, specifies that it was my Alabama accent. Like I said, I wasn't bothered by that because it was the first thing I threw out. I don't care. Like, sure, it's a fucking terrible accent. That's like the nature of what we were doing. So, If you were someone him- from Mullumbimby and you did not want, you know, say a major supermarket built in your town, you'd be the Mullumbimby NIMBY. Sorry, it was, it was not worth going back for. Really, it wasn't. So I let him off the hook. I let him off the hook. I say, ha ha, yes, it wasn't my best attempt. And then I followed it up about a minute later with, by the way, I'm totally talking about this on the show next week. <laughs> so he responds. I was really hoping that wouldn't be the case. <laughs> but I suppose I deserve that. It was such a cliche thing to do. Fuck. Weirdly enough, that was the message he also meant to send to his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so I wrote back and I say, look, I'm not offended. It wasn't meant to be a good accent, but I find this situation hilarious. You must have been mortified. So he wrote back, I'm feeling so much guilt right now. This is a nightmare. I even used your whole name. There was no mistaking it. I could not pretend it was Alf Clawson, the composer from The Simpsons, which was my fail-safe backup plan. Uh, I mean, I wrote back, I said, that to, to me, that was the best part. Like, that is the bit that I, I loved, is that I, it was just imagining the angst he would have been going through. Like, because you have to respond. Like, and there would have definitely been, I'm sure, the thought of, do I call? Like, do I call and just smooth things over? Or do I take the coward's way out and just keep texting? (laughs) Well, the other thing is about it is it opens up that possibility that couples are having discussions about our podcast. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Interesting, right? You know, like, so, you know, on a different day, a couple of weeks ago, for example, he might have been at the gym listening to the podcast, sending messages to his girlfriend. And just the message might have read something like, you're not going to believe it, but they've bought a fucking fax machine. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Of all the things to get looped into, why wasn't it one of the like ones that doesn't specify like a shortcoming of of mine? So he responds, uh, I will never do a... he's an actor himself. I'm never doing a US accent near you ever. And I said, look, I'll be paying very close attention. Don't you worry about that. And I will. Like next show he does or whatever, front and center. If it's a theater show, I'm going to be in the front row. You'll be, don't you? I'll be there taking notes. I'll be there. I'll have some kind of like a voice analyzer. I'll be matching it up against like dialectics and just seeing exactly how it matches up. I'll be taking very close notes. Give me an example of, because this would be my ideal scenario. Uh, this yeah. guy gets cast in a production as an American and we go on the first night and sit front and center. We buy the best two tickets to the show yeah. and we just sit yeah. there ready to judge. 
like and yeah. get it right inside his head. We don't have to say anything. Just the <laughs> yeah. fact that we're there. As he like he walks out on stage for his first scene. He doesn't know yeah. we're going to be there. Well, he listens yeah. to the podcast, so I guess he would yeah. have heard this plan. But yeah. <laughs> they were just sitting there. <laughs> we should you know what we should do is we should go we should just go in with like you know, red faces, just the handwritten scores. So after each line of dialogue he has, we consult, look at each other, write down, and then just hold up what we, what we give it out of 10. Or it's the American flag up the right way or an American flag turned up the wrong way. Or I just sort of passively and monotonely boo after each line of dialogue. So, you know, he does whatever line it is. I'm just like, boo. But, <laughs> boo. In, but in an American accent. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) So, it continues. We're not done yet. This is where I think he he gets it back. Like, uh, this is hats off. Hard to come back from what he did. But 24 hours later, so we finish it on, don't worry, I'll be paying attention to your accent. Ha, 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 ha. 24 hours passes by. Around about the same time, the very next night, I get a text out of the blue that says, Charlie Clawson is really fucking ugly. I like it. Really like good, it. right? Like that is, you double down. Like there's well, no like way out of it. I he's doubled down, but he's also doubled down in an area where you don't have the same insecurities as you do about your accent work. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it wasn't like, well, like Charlie Clawson has really fucking tiny hands. Yeah. Although, if you want, I mean, that's almost, I kind of admire the balls of that move as well. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, I understand. He's got nothing to lose. Why not go for the jugular? Well, I mean, he could have gone really, you know, like really inside your own head. You know, like it could have been like, you know, Charlie's going to have to get a move on if he wants to have kids. I mean, has he really put himself in a position to financially support him? I mean, he's an actor. It's... It's jobbing work at best and his girlfriend's a director. I mean, it's a great creative industry, but really, is that a safe and good environment to raise children and plan for a... F- anyway, so, uh, nothing. Uh. All right. You can stop there, Will. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I came out so easily too, Charlie. Yeah, I don't know. really did. It's worrying. <laughs> Just really. It's like I'd been wanting an excuse to say it. <laughs> so, I... Uh... I responded to him, I was I, I said, oh boy, yeah, that's awkward. So good. All dumb, we're all square, ledger squared. <clears throat> Last night, his team suffered a particularly heartbreaking loss. He texted me out of the blue, I hate football sometimes. I wrote back, as much as you hate my US accent. <laughs> <laughs> the end. I mean, I don't think it is the end. I, I was saying to you before we started this show, like, uh, do we name and shame? Do we, like, uh, do a gotcha call, get him on, get him to answer for his crimes, questions without notice? Do you think uh, it's answered? Do you think it's well, resolved? What, I mean, at the moment, I think it's been resolved. But I don't know if we need to name and shame him. But, you know, maybe we should give the audience at least a few more clues so that if they wanted to do some digging of their own, they could work out who it is. So I think we, I think we gave some good clues. Well, tangentially involved in the world of our podcasts. Yes. As an actor. Yes. He had a, and follows AFL and his team had a loss on the weekend. Cam Knight. 
Michael well, Chamberlain. you'd be the judge of that. <laughs> uh, it could have actually been Michael. Fucking hell. <laughs> no, it wasn't Michael Chamberlain. wasn't Cam Knight. But if you want to do some digging, I'm sure you'll be able to track this down. Exactly. Yes, yes. Certainly, uh, you'd be able to find information about it on the internet. You know, it, you know, you'd be able to, if you'll you be did able. a little bit of digging. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Hey, Will. What's your Ecuadorian accent like? What? What's your Ecuadorian accent like? Where's Ecuador? South America? Is, it, is that South America? I mean, now that I've brought it up, Charlie, <laughs> I'm not actually sure that I know where Ecuador is. I love it. <laughs> Ecuador. God, the zinger becomes the zinged. <laughs> like pretty is it much- Central America? Well, anything that I know about Ecuador. Okay, here we go. Ecuador is a country straddling the equator on South America's west coast. Its diverse landscape encompasses the Amazon jungle, the Andean highlands, and the wildlife-rich Galapagos Islands. Oh, okay. Well, it's got quite a lot of famous shit, Ecuador, it turns out, other than yeah. its embassy, which I was referring yeah. to. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> I was giving worry, you another Will. cryptic clue. Wink, Charlie. Yeah. Wink. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right, that's enough clues. Hey, Will, guess what? I'm proud and excited to announce that everyone can read facts. Ba 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 ba. Ba da 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 da. That's right. We've received our first facts. I'm so happy. Uh, I've been going into the newsagent uh, like three times this week, and it was humiliating. <laughs> like I kept going in and saying. Is there any faxes? And she's like, no, no. And I was like, for TOEFOP? And she's like, no, no, there's nothing. Nothing has arrived. She's like, no, in general, there's been no faxes for three years. <laughs> yeah. But then I went in this morning, Sunday morning, and there is a fax. Um, it's from Sasha. It says, and listen, so can you hear, I don't have the mic picking that up. That's actual paper. It's like fax paper. Hey, Tofop. Uh, thank you, the news agency, for receiving these faxes for Charlie and Will. I'm happy to send you a free cartridge for your fax machine if you like. Just let me know the model. <laughs> Love the show, guys. Listening to you both prattle on makes my day. Cheers, Sasha. So, all right. Inauspicious start. It's really more of a fax to the, the news agents. <laughs> it's offering the news agents free ink. Like, what about us? Um... I like that as an opening fact, though. To me, that's like a really gentle sort of like the news agent maybe reads the first one, you know, wants to see yeah. what sort of nonsense, wants to make sure they're not involved in some sort of nefarious, like, you know, drug business mm. or something like that, that it's, you know, something illegal or dodgy going on. So they read yeah. the first one. That's a lovely first opening message. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, I kind of, I don't know what I was expecting when I went into the news agent. I thought it would maybe be in an office or something or that'd be like setting all the faxes aside for all the different people. But no, like it literally is just in the middle of the store and one of these, because it printed twice for some reason, maybe it got sent twice, but one of them was literally on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that is the level of respect and care that uh, the news agency is, is putting into to our program. But I feel really good about this. I feel like if we can get, you know, a couple of these a week, then it's all been worthwhile. I still don't know what I'm paying for it. I've got to go and the woman who runs the store wasn't there today. It was like one of her employees and she had to get the woman on the phone because uh, 
she didn't know how much to charge me because they don't receive faxes. And then the woman said, just tell him to come back tomorrow and we'll sort something out. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What if she stings us for like 15 bucks a page or something? I think it's worth it. <laughs> All right. We've got some Tafop respondents, some T-mail, some genuine old school, well, actually, ironically, new school, but old school correspondence. Uh, this is from Kate Hasbani. 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 Hey, Tofop. Hi, Will and Charlie. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you debated the merits of folding shirts. That's right. I think you're a folder and halfer, and I'm a retail style. Is that right? Well, I've transitioned to retail style after a lifetime of folding in half. Right. After I shamed you, shamed you into, into folding clothes like me. No, and I was just not introduced to it. Like, right. I had my mind blown by the idea that there is a certain way you're meant to have coat hangers on the rack. I didn't discover that until like... What do you mean? So when your coat hanger's on the rack, you're meant to have it with the hook towards the wall yeah. and so that you can yeah. pull it off. I just... Yeah. What? Like, I, that's logical, Will. How the hell are you hanging your shit? Like you're going behind the bar and hooking it backwards? That doesn't make any method. sense. Huh? Well, I guess I just have if never If you're pulling a shirt off it. and it's hung backwards, it's going to fall off, you dork. What's wrong with you? Well... Hang on, what? It's going to fall off. It's still on the like, coat hanger. It's not like I'm hanging it incorrectly on the coat hanger. It's still, it's just the direction in which you then hang it on the bar in your cupboard or whatever. But are you pulling from the near side first or the far side? Look, I understand like you're what you're saying. Like, it makes yeah. more sense to be able to just, like, take it out rather yeah. than do the reach-around method. But <laughs> yeah, the reach I, was, around. I, didn't, I didn't feel like the reach-around was, like, that much energy out of my day that it was an issue one way or the other. That's so funny. I just, I just would have thought, like logically, you see that it's like a, a the hook is a semi-form circle. You would put the opening on the bar. You wouldn't, but you're going under the bar and reverse hooking. My mum was at my house today, and um, I think this is obviously a failure of how I was raised because I was never taught <laughs> yeah, these things. Let's, uh, let's dump it on mum. I should have taken her. In fact, I was showing my sister around the house and uh, I should have taken her into the walk-in wardrobe where everything is now folded retail style and all the coat hangers are in the correct direction and just pointed at them and pointed at mum and go, je accuse. <laughs> no thanks to you. <laughs> uh, Kate says, a couple of weeks ago, you debated the merits of folding shirts. Uh, naturally, this makes the pair of you best place to solve the long-standing debate I have with my husband on how to fold bath towels. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something I do because I do a lot of laundry at my house and I have yet to settle on a method. I don't know whether sometimes I roll them up, sometimes I fold into increasingly smaller squares, but I don't know. So I'm interested to see what someone else would suggest. He folds the, the towels in half three times, alternating the direction of the fold so you end up with a square. You get that? So he folds it in yep. half once lengthways and then three times into a little square. Yep. I, on the other hand, <laughs> fold in half twice then fold the resulting cloth three times from the top down to result in a small rectangle, perfect for stacking uniformly on unusual rectangular-shaped linen closet shelves. For what it's worth, I also folded shirts the same way Will did. There was none of that fancy retail folding in my house growing up. (laughs) Love your work. Keep fighting the good fight, Kate. Um, So, I... It depends on the size of the towel, I think, for a start. Mm. Like... Because you're really looking for a, like, you know, a height to sort of, you know, length ratio yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, 
I would say that I end up doing it in a way that I reckon I'm a fold in half, fold in half. And then if I'm going to put it in my bedroom, in my bathroom, fold in another half. So essentially yeah. just kind of, you know, so it's like a, a rectangly, yeah, oblongy sort of shape. So yeah, uh, maybe it's a male thing because I'm the same and that's what our husband does. Lengthways uh, fold, fold in half, fold in half, put in the... Yeah, but isn't he doing some square thing? Isn't he like folding it in half and then folding it in half the other way and then folding it in half and then like, it's a swan. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, no. He folds his towels in half three times, alternating the direction. Oh, maybe he folds yeah. like... Lengthwise. And lengthways. then side to side, then lengthwise. Mm-hmm. Like, so it becomes yeah, a square. Whereas right. like, yeah, I guess, yeah. So if, if it's in the bathroom, probably fold twice and then roll would be, yeah. Fold twice and roll. And then if I'm going to store them, I would say it's just fold three times. I think you've brought up an interesting wrinkle, Will, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> wrinkle in the towel, which is that different sized towels make it very difficult because we've got some of those oversized kind of plush towels and they're harder to fold. I can't do my half and half method. It's almost like I have to fold them like five times. And you can't roll them because they turn into giant kind of sleeping bag size sausage rolls and they don't, too long, lengthways are too long to go in anywhere. Well, at this new house, because we have so many bathrooms at the new house. Oh, um, lardy bloody duh. <laughs> oh, God. Meanwhile, you're speculating on my ability to provide for my wife an unborn child <laughs> and you've got too many fucking bathrooms to put towels in. Listen, this is a tale of two podcasts. What's going on with Charlie and Gemma? I went to their house and it had like one bathroom. This is bullshit. (laughs) I have one bathroom for my wees and one bathroom for my poos. (laughs) And then a couple of spare bathrooms. For whatever (laughs) else. One for washing my hands and one for brushing my teeth. (laughs) So there are two upstairs bathrooms and there are two downstairs bathrooms. Well, there's one in my office as well. And so what I... They all have towel racks. So I've got into the habit of just making sure that there's fresh towels hanging in every bathroom. So if towels get washed, they then go back into the rotation of like, so if I need like a fresh towel, I'll go and grab it out of one of the other bathrooms that has the fresh towels hanging up. And then I'll just, after washing my previous towel, replace that as the fresh towel in that other space. So it's actually a constant right. rotation through the yeah. house of the major two places towels are being. So it's like the other towels are playing in the B leagues or sitting on the bench in case of emergency, already hung, pre-hung. The towels in my place have to, they're either, the drying, that the drying of the towels becomes the issue for us because we'll hang out, we'll, we want to hang them somewhere to dry. So you either <laughs> hang them in the bathroom or our bedroom has lots of hanging space. And so that becomes, it's a rotation of like, <coughs> are you all right? <coughs> My drink went down the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get that assistant in to put the lid on Will's drink, please? Uh, Connor Hart writes in. Hey, Will and Charlie. This is primarily for Will, but if it's affected you as well, Charlie, can you please elaborate also? I was watching the news and saw that Billy Connolly is suffering from dementia as a result of his Parkinson's. I know, Will, that was primarily why you got into comedy, and I was wondering how this has impacted you. P.S. I'm completely fine if this is too sad to speak about, so cut if it's fine, and we can keep the happy MVMT watches powered powered, powered comedy going. Uh, And 
have you thought after your fax machine that you would think about messaging pigeons? <laughs> anyway, love the podcast. Keep up the good work from Connor. I thought it was worth talking about. So uh, there's been a bit. So when I first found out that news, I was devastated because, you know, like, yes, he was the uh, reason that I got into comedy and he, um, in the couple of times that I was lucky enough to meet him, was like just a wonderfully generous and lovely person. And so the idea that he was, you know, getting to the point where he could not control his sort of, you know, uh, brain, which was the thing that was so, you know, powerful and unique and wonderful about him, you know, really devastated me. Um, but since then, there's been some sort of uh, denial or sort of clarification around it that perhaps he's not going as badly as Michael Parkinson um, uh, had actually said. Because it was Michael Parkinson had met with him and then kind of reported that he wasn't doing very well. And then there was afterwards denial saying, well, I think maybe it's the one who's got Parkinson in his name who's got bloody <laughs> Parkinson's disease. Maybe you're just into a little bit too much into Parkinson. Um, no, he's, he's sick and he's certainly not getting better, but... Um, Apparently, he's not quite as bad as those initial reports would have indicated. How do you feel about it, though? Like, how, tell me about like the the initial sort of sadness. Like, what does it mean to have like someone who influenced you to get into comedy? Like, is it one of those things that we're just recognizing we're getting older? Yeah, I think there's a bit of that. I mean, I think that it, it will be. I've, I thought about it a lot when um, you know when Bowie died and when Prince died, and there was that run of sort of you know genuinely. George Michael iconic people and i would see people you know post and they're all people that i you know i i loved george michael i thought he was fantastic and i you know i bowie you know i really liked and prince i really liked and yeah probably in some ways have listened to more of their music since they died because there was you know mm. so many opportunities to you know delve into their history and learn their stories but they weren't you know as we know yeah justin hamilton is couldn't be a bigger bowie fan and you know you'd see people have these genuinely unique connections and going, well, I'm devastated. This person that I've loved and has helped shape mm. and influence me is now gone and that is devastating. And I remember thinking at the time, who would that be for me? Like who, who if they die, will I be just genuinely shattered and sad, at, you know, because of that? And the only person that really came to mind was Billy Connolly. So, right. so when, you know, seeing it happen, we went and saw him last time he was in Australia and he, you know, I mean, he'd had Parkinson's for a while then and he, one of his arms, basically he would keep his hand in his pocket or like by his side for most of the show because he couldn't control one of his arms. And, but he, the first five minutes of his set was all about it, you know, like he mm. walked out on stage and, you know, everyone gave him a standing ovation and he literally started with a bit of like, ah, you know, sit down. You're only doing that because I'm dying. And then yeah. just got into this whole bit about it. And I was like, well, that's what, you know, he is to me. He is the guy who sort of laughs in the face of that. And the, old, the older I get, and, you know, having lost sort of mum a couple of years ago and stuff, and, you know, you're seeing these heroes die, the older I get, the more I kind of realise you just have to be, there's no a choice, but you have to accept that everything ends. Like nothing stays the same, everything changes. To want things to stay the same uh, is unnatural and... That's the one thing like mum taught me more than anything. And the way she kind of, when she decided she wasn't going to continue the chemo, you know, she, all the us kids wanted her to keep going because we wanted to hang on to her for that little bit longer. But she was the one who was like, but what for? Like, you know, everything that I've done that I've wanted to do is in the past. Like, I don't look forward to a future with more things yet to do. You know, I just accept the fact that this is the way things are going to go. And I would rather go not fighting it 
you know, I'd rather just re- uh, just let go and release and accept that the end is because it's going to come eventually. You know, maybe it won't be the cancer, or maybe she knows she beat the cancer, but then you get hit by a bus. Like that's the thing is, it's the it's the being the okay with letting go. That's the the hard part, I think. But and it's I feel like the older you get, the more you've got no choice in that. I think the other thing is that you start to realize pretty early on how quickly we're becoming useless. Like, mm. I never imagined how quickly it would feel like it's happening. I feel it in my industry. I feel it, you know, just in general, in that, like, kids are into things now, that there's whole generations of kids who are into things that I just don't understand and I know that I will never understand and, you know, that you'll increasingly fall further and further behind and the world will increasingly not look like the world that you were familiar with and that you understood. And, and like, I'm starting to feel that already. Like, you know, so by the time, if, you, if you're lucky enough to get to, you know, your 70s, 80s, 90s, then like there's probably been a fair like amount of your life where you feel like everything's moved on a bit without you. So I do, mm. I can imagine feeling done. There's days where yeah. I feel done already, where I'd be happily yeah. like if, they, if I died now, like I don't think that my life's getting better from now on. I feel yeah. like my life peaked at some point that I will you know, later be able to identify and look back on and go, oh, that's when I was at my best. But I don't think it's in front of me. I think it's probably behind me. I guess that, and I guess that is the thing too of just accepting that, like it, it's, it's that refusal to, to accept that, that your body will break down, you will get older, you know, uh, relationships are going to change, things are going to change. Like, it, the, the energy required to hang on to that stuff and to be constantly trying to, you know, beat death and, and, and beat aging process and beat all that kind of stuff. Like it's, a, it's exhausting. And I think you risk not actually taking in what's going on around you because you're trying so hard to hang on to what you've got. Right. And if you believe in that idea and your mum didn't like, you know, and lots of people don't, but if you believe in the idea that once you're dead, you're just dead. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, I mean, I look at people around us, friends and family, and I was watching, you know, we, this is more, you know, for our other podcast, but I was watching the footy last night and there's a guy called Travis Varco who, you know, is playing in the finals for Collingwood. And, you know, uh, his sister died like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, playing, playing a game of football. And, you know, he's had to go out two weeks in a row and, you know, perform his job in front of like, you know, hundreds of thousand people mm. and be asked about it. And the idea that, like even in that moment where yeah they were asking him after the game about the idea of like he was being interviewed and he was being very thankful for the support he got and stuff but there must have been a part of him that when they're asking him about how exciting it is to play preliminary finals next week where he was just like nothing none of this means anything mm. like life is fragile you know this is actually just fucking bullshit and this is a pantomime and we're all pretending that this means something but at the end of the day yeah. it doesn't really mean anything but there might also be a part of him that is like well, at least when I go and play football, I don't have to think about the fact that none of this yeah. means anything and life is essentially meaningless <laughs> and it can end at no point for no reason. Well, when mum died, it was, I don't know if I've told this story, but it was such a fucking bizarre set of circumstances. I was doing a photo shoot for a magazine, like a swimsuit photo shoot. So I'm there in my, in my shorts, like, you know, with makeup and stuff, like getting photographed and I could see my phone buzzing. And at that stage, I knew that, you know, mum was dying. And it was my brother. And so I'm like, I know what this phone call is. Like, I, I don't know, but I, I just won't take it because I just, you know, let's just get these photos done. And then, so the photo's done, you know, I go to my trailer, I get on the phone and it's talk to my brother and it's like, okay, cool. 
I'm fucking got fake tan on. <laughs> I'm in like Hawaiian shorts on the beach. Like it is just such a bizarre set of circumstances, but you just get on with the job. Like I was there, you know, the, the producers gave me the option of like coming to work or, you know, just giving me some time off. But I sort of felt like if at least I have that going normally, then, you know, I'll trust the rest of the grief and stuff is going to come. But just give me some structure around that. You know what I mean? Because I think if you just, you know, what you don't want to do is have like a hundred people come and, you know, like foister on you, make a big fuss and stuff. That That's actually more overwhelming. So I can understand why Varko would just think, well, look, I'll just stick to, I'll stick to what I do, my structure, my structured week, whatever. And then, you know, I know what's coming and is going to happen anyway. So just give me a bit of normalcy to hang on to. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I mean, it makes sense. I think that's what we're doing every day. I mean, we've only, like, we do all these things because we, we've told ourselves that they're meaningful. But in the grand mm. scheme of human existence, most of us will be forgotten pretty much the moment. Like, I mean, the world's gone on without Bowie and without Prince and it goes on without George Michael mm. and it'll go on without Billy Connolly and it'll certainly fucking go on without us. And there's a bit of that where I guess we do things most of the day so we're not distracted by the thought that everything that we put so much effort into is essentially meaningless. <laughs> Are we still going to be ranked in the comedy section of iTunes when this podcast comes out? People are like, Getting back, get back to how you fold your fucking sheet. <laughs> uh, Jagger Skilbeck gets in touch, says, hey, lads. Froth the program. Uh, I love that Aussie bit of slang. He froths. Froth the program. Explain that to our overseas listeners, Will. Uh, does that mean as in froths as in like uh, slang for beers, froths, you mean? Like frothies? No, or do I you think... mean froths as in froths at the thought of? Froths at the thought of. Although he's using it, he's using it as like a, like a verb almost. Froth the program. Yeah, Love. they sound like a band you would have seen like at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> yeah. at the big day out. <laughs> We're Frost the, the program. program. You know, it's a guy with a computer and a couple of guitars. <laughs> hey, lads, froth the program and had a couple of queries <laughs> that have always been on my mind. One. Hang on. So when I've we'll... looked up the definition of froth. Um, yeah. So froth, the actual dictionary definition, a massive urban, small bubbles urban. in liquid caused by agitation, fermentation or salivating. I salivate at the thought of the podcast. No, no, hang on. Um, You've got to look up Urban Dictionary definition. Don't, of we get, don't worry. Okay. We're getting to Urban oh, Dictionary. Right. I'm running you through the... <laughs> the, uh, Oxford English, the Oxford Dictionary defines frothing as... Yes. Uh, or second definition, which I think is more apropos of our podcast. <laughs> this is literally it. Worthless or insubstantial <laughs> talk, ideas or activities... <laughs> Oh, that is definitely us. The froth program. Froth we finally program. found a definition of our show that we can put on our iTunes review description. That's amazing. Uh, oh, it's perfect. Uh, Urban Dictionary. Froth. When a girl gets so turned on by a man or woman that her vagina begins overflowing with wetness. Then I've never heard that definition. Her vagina churns the wetness like churning milk into butter until it turns into foam. That foam is froth. Okay. Yeah. So it can be <laughs> is there any no of those other? three options. Is there no other definition? Is there not an Aussie slang version, which is 
Mate, I was frothing at the thought of getting out on the, those waves, dude. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, to describe how you react when you see something of extreme coolness. Yeah. Taken yeah, yeah. from the condition dogs get called rabies when foam <laughs> starts coming from their mouth. Did you make that up or is that what it actually says? Instead, this is what occurs when a person drools and it forms into a white bubbly foam, especially when they see something cool, new or desirable. Yeah. Uh, although this is rarely seen, and this is probably a good thing, the term froth is still used to describe how people react when they're faced with something they want. Uh, dude, have you seen Joey's new car? Oh, yeah, man, I froth over it. <laughs> still sounds gross. <laughs> All right, Jagger wants to know, when Will's back was at its worst, did he just have to tough, uh, to tough shit when filming his TV shows or did he have some kind of coping mechanism such as digging a hole in the set so he could stand and be the same height as the rest of the panel? Well, funnily enough, I actually do a joke about that in my, in my stand-up, and one of the jokes I do is about digging a hole and being the same height as the rest of the panel. So if you just come and see my show, we're legal <laughs> on tour around Australia, comedy.com.au, Sydney Opera House, October the 13th with Justin Hamilton, Packenham, Bendigo, uh, Noosa and Townsville. You will find out... That you've just ruined one of the bits, you fucker. <laughs> I do not froth in your general direction. <laughs> Second question. Have you boys ever had a genuine beef about something that arose from the podcast that carried into normal life? And I mean a genuine fight. Uh, cheers and up the pups. Uh, no. No. I think the uh, close... The, I, I've never looked at you the same way since you did not judge Ben Elton for not knowing OK Computer. Yeah, but that, that carry over into real life. Oh, you know in, what? For me, it has. I do remember <laughs> we did a we did one podcast where we talked about a post-apocalyptic situation and who would be the leader of our group. And you put yourself forward, and I laughed it off, and you were offended. And then we finished the podcast, and we went into the living room, and you asked Amy and Gemma, "Would you be the leader of the group?" And they also laughed, and you got annoyed. That I don't know if that counts true. as a fight, but. I, like to th- I am the executive producer of my own show. I lead people. I'm a leader. And we're like, yeah, yeah, funny guy. Go on the corner and tell some jokes. We'll work out how to fortify this warehouse. <laughs> I was on television. <laughs> I had a podcast. I had seven podcasts. I understand in retrospect that my... <laughs> leadership skills which i do think i have but i think my leadership style is one of you know general encouragement of other people <laughs> to do their jobs well i'm a facilitator of that you know yeah, yeah. um you can be I head of hr a, yeah but yeah no you're right i don't think that i would uh i'd be the head of hr um yeah. but i'd also have to you know complain to myself to hr probably a lot of the time <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this is another one about me. Yeah, it's about the last <laughs> time I came down to meet with you in HR. That was a HR issue, what you said. You know when I said my complaint and then you laughed? This is not your podcast now, buddy. You're in HR. <laughs> Just talking to a mirror. I think Bill's lost it. He's got apocalypse syndrome. I looked up what froth meant and I am offended. I'm reporting myself. 
Uh, we need to finish it up here because I've got to go yes. get my hair cut and they've already yelled at me for, for a rescheduling already today. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. There's lots of bonus content up there. You also get access to James Fosdyke's incredible comics, Everywhere, Everyone Relax and Quantum Cop. Uh, he sent me the rough outline of um, uh, the next episode. Uh, that we're working on together. It's going to be great. So uh, go to patreon.com. You can donate any amount to keep the lights on. Uh, you can also support us by buying a movement watch and putting in the code TOFOP when you get to the website. Uh, you can go to our website, tofop.com, to send us a fax. There's links there to send us some tofop respondents, some T-mail, or if you want, you can get right down the fax number and send us a fax. Remember, keep it clean. This is a third party operating under our control. Good warning. I like it. Uh, yeah, I have shows, which I previously mentioned. Okay, great. Okay, so we're done. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.